If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? So let me tell hey everyone, welcome back to the Kevin and HJ podcast. Today I have Andrew Ramondi back on the podcast as we talk all this NBA craziness that's going on right now. Uh, crazy trades or non-trades sure. going on and all this stuff. It's going great. And we're done with finals now, so we could finally kind of do a podcast y- and catch up on yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was going to say we did this last about a month ago. This is the first podcast we're not doing in the Seton Hall Library. I drove to an undisclosed location up here in North Jersey to Woo Studios. Uh, excited, <laughs> excited to be back. Yeah, I know. So it's a lot of... I mean... I think the first thing that has been on everyone's like minds in terms of NBA news was that crazy, crazy trade with the Wizards and the Suns, and then Memphis was kind of in there for a little bit. Yeah. And then, so do you want to break down what ended up happening and then kind of go through some of the specifics on that? Yeah, well, as I remember it, as I as I recall, I don't I don't have everything in front of me, but as I recall, this was so the trade that ended up happening was uh, Trevor Ariza going from the Suns to the Wizards in exchange for Kelly Oubre and Austin Rivers, who it turns out the Suns are now waving. I would love to talk about that because I think it's absolutely <laughs> banana yep. boat crazy that they would do that. Um, but I, the Grizzlies were originally involved. Uh, I'm assume I think that they were going to trade a, a player. It was believed so they were going to tr- as part of this deal. I believe they were going to trade a player to the Suns in exchange for some draft compensation or 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 what? What do you remember? Right. So what the, the so the main part of the deal was the Wizards would send Ubre to the Grizzlies. And then the Suns would receive Austin Rivers from Washington and um, one of Marshawn or er, Marshawn Brooks and uh, Wayne Selden from Memphis. Okay, so while, I didn't know that. that while was Ari- going to Ari- the- Ariza would have gone to Washington. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so it would have it would have been like a three team trade there. I'm not really sure what the rationale was if. Like kind of looking. Well, at I it. think, and that's where I think that's where the um, where the discrepancy starts to come into play. I was actually just listening to a podcast on this earlier today. So obviously, for pe- people who don't know that this trade ended up not happening because the Grizzlies have two Brooks on their roster: Marshawn Brooks, who may be remembered from his days with the Nets and the Celtics. Um, who's actually having a slight little bit of a resurgence. You mm-hmm. might be surprised to know that he's still in the league, but he's okay. And then you have Dylan Brooks, who it, I believe went to Oregon. Oregon. Pretty um, talented Kind wing of a player. young guard, yeah, plays good defense, or wing, plays plays pretty good defense. 3 and D type of guy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, who's currently injured. And um, basically the Suns believed they were getting Dylan, and the Grizzlies said they were actually getting they were talking about Marshawn, and it ended up falling through in that way. I tend to believe. So I was listening to uh, Mark Stein on on an NBA podcast today, and basically, apparently, the Suns had requested and gotten Dylan Brooks's medical records, which would seem to insinuate that Dylan was the 
the subject of of talks in in some way or another. Uh, on the other hand, the Grizzlies GM came out and said basically Dylan wasn't discussed, you know, as a part of this deal, which I thought was interesting language. But they're the only ones who've actually come out and said something publicly. So so it's a pretty bizarre situation. What do you make of that? Right. I find it fascinating because you kind of have to like sift through all the BS and try to figure out what actually ended up happening. Yeah. Um, because all these teams, if a deal like this ends up, you know, being, I guess, pending and for it waiting to go through and then one of the particulars changes as crazy as it is, it's like, oh, we thought it was the other guy, not this guy. Yeah. I mean, the optics of that looks really bad for a lot of these front office people because of future trades down the road, what ends up happening in terms of whether or not you can trust these other GMs in terms of, like, whether they're holding to their word or not. Yeah. Um, Which makes it really fascinating um, that the Memphis Grizzlies GM ended up, or the front office ended up coming out publicly and stating something like, I have never experienced anything like this in my, like, years of basketball and I found it fascinating because I think it was a little bit of maybe a little bit of truth in it, but I think it was more of an optics play as well in terms of trying to kind of uphold what it is that they, I don't know, they need to uphold as an image as their front office. Well, my own personal conspiracy theory for, for what it's worth is that the front office of the Grizzlies decided to make this trade and then it got sent to a higher up possibly para their i forget what his first name is robert yeah. robert para their owner who's kind of known as one of the more medley you know yeah, involved involved of, owners yeah. in the nba i'm thinking it possible that there possibly was a machination of this trade that involved brooks and and para or some higher up possibly stepped in but yeah like you said it this isn't something that really happens openly in in the nba you get a lot of backstage kind of details through someone like shams or woge and there's a lot of spin on it but rarely do you have uh, a a public discrepancy of this sort right because every all this stuff was getting reported a couple days ago by like the big guys like you're mentioning shams and woge saying like this three three team deal was done pending physicals and all that type of stuff and then like you hear, I don't even know how much longer after, how long it was after that first initial tweet when Woj was like, the deal is off and it's dead um, because of like all this reporting of the wrong Brooks. It, it found it, I just found it fascinating because I don't think I've really ever seen a situation like this in the NBA where, where it's just been like, oh, we're confused about the player we're getting, so we're nullifying the deal. Um, yeah, it was it's bizarre. Yeah, and then the next day you woke up and they had a g- just kind of done it in a different way. I guess the Suns, based on what you said, basically said, "Well, forget it. We'll just take Ubre and you know." Yeah. Do so this let's straight up. Let's look at the trade and analyze yeah. it a little bit. Whose side do you want to start on? Let's. I mean, let's take the Suns first. Okay. Um, I think they wanted to. I mean, I understand the play for the Suns here, and I actually like the deal more for them than the Wizards. Um, They get Oubre, who's coming off. He's a young guy, um, young wing player. He can play some defense. He can shoot threes. If he can develop those qualities and those skills, he can be a really productive member on that team. He's been playing, even since last year, playing like significant minutes for that Wizards team. He's 
sometimes he sometimes he finishes games um, in that small ball lineup that he would play for the Wizards. So I kind of like the deal uh, for the Suns. And for me, for the Wizards, I th- I just kind of thought I was kind of curious as to why they did the deal but before I get into the Wizards what are your thoughts on what the Suns did yeah I agree with you that I I just generally like it for the Suns I wanted to uh well I want to say two things real quick one I don't get the criticism I saw Bill Simmons tweet this immediately after and it was kind of a common refrain among not necessarily NBA insiders but like NBA Twitter types of like well, the Suns need a point guard, and they didn't get a point guard for their biggest trade chip, basically. So this is a failure. Like, wow, they're so stupid. And I'm like, my, my response to that is, who really cares at this point? They're not trying to win this season anyway. You can exactly. get a point guard at some point down the line. They're currently doing this tr- Booker at the one experiment with varying levels of success. But I don't, I don't personally care about it from that standpoint. Get, I'm in the same get, boat get, as you. Get yeah. the best young players you can. Who cares if you have a... Bl- because I guess the argument is also, well, they have Josh Jackson, you know, Bridges, Oubre, how many wings are you going to have? Mm-hmm. I One, in the NBA, you can really never have too many wings at this point. You ha- you're going to have ample opportunity to throw them all out there, see what you can get. You can always trade. I don't know how high a guy like Jackson's trade value is right now, but, you know, I think they're all they're all tradable to some extent, so I don't care about it from that perspective. I do wonder if this is the best deal they could have gotten for Ariza. If you wait a little longer, could you have gotten something better? I'm not sure about that. I don't think any of the Lakers deals involving KCP were were much more enticing than this. Yeah. The one thing I am surprised about is don't you you could have flipped you couldn't have flipped rivers for a second round pick or something like that i don't i don't get waving him outright i feel like you could have gotten something his deal's a, an expiring deal yeah. as well so i'm pretty sure that they could have gotten something for him maybe even like a second rounder because you know those second round rounders could be valuable in terms of if you throw them in deal like deals as like extra sweeteners they yeah. can help kind of put a deal over the top yeah. even though it seems insignificant. It just seems like, wow, you couldn't just kind of hold. And like, he's like a point guard that they could kind yeah, of he could have played somewhat utilized. He yeah, he definitely um, could have played the bench. serious minutes for them and at least play until the deadline. And if you, lo- it, it's hard for me to figure out what's going on there. I feel like it's some weird th- with the Suns. You never know. To me, it struck me as some weird reactionary move by the Suns. Maybe with all the Sarver drama going on, I don't know what to make a point of being like, we're a player-friendly, maybe under James Jones, they want to show that they're a player-friendly destination that's willing to do these these vet guy, solid, vet guy solids. It, it was just a little confusing to me as to where the, why they cut him. And ironically, I believe this was a Shams tweet that he's favored once he clears waivers to sign with the Memphis Grizzlies, which, which, which is kind of Yeah, so it, it's kind of like a workaround of like all the stuff that they, they were trying to do originally and ironically he ends up going to memphis and it's kind of or he he might go to memphis which would be kind of funny um i mean turning to the wizards yeah i don't know what they're doing honest <laughs> like i don't really know what they're doing because like being being a dc grad college yeah. grad i saw the wizards a lot i went to a lot of games during college i i went to pl- their playoff games mm-hmm. um all that stuff yeah so they became almost like my second team yeah i would i would say that and 
I just don't know what they're I'm kind of confused and when I originally heard the deal and uh going through um with the re- them getting Ariza and then then sending out Ubre and um Rivers I thought oh they must be getting off money from Ubre or Rivers so I ended up going on to like one of like spot rack or like one of those contracts mm-hmm. uh websites and I realized all these guys were on pretty much expiring deals. Ubre is, is up for an extension, and there was talk that the Wizards didn't want to give him the, his extension yeah. earlier in the year, which wasn't a crazy thing. It's not like he had shown like amazing, amazing potential where you would lock him up that early on for an extension. But I just found it confusing as to why they would trade for a 35-year-old veteran type of guy and it seems like Grunfeld and that Washington Wizards front office is kind of digging their heels in even more with this team and just being like we're gonna basically live and die by by the wall beal yeah construction of this team no I agree with you and why honestly I think it happened why in part it it was Ariza is I think that locker room, as we probably discussed the last time we talked and is well known, I think that locker room's a fucking mess. And I think they're like, Ooh. oh, Ariza, <laughs> Ariza was here. Yeah. You know, a few years ago, he's a good, he'll be a good locker room presence for us. Uh, Ubre, it's kind of up in the air as to what kind of a personality he is. But even just from his on the court demeanor, he strikes me as a little cold, maybe a little diva-ish. I mean, right, that, that's right. very reading into it. But like, anyway, I doubt he doesn't strike me as a rah-rah team guy. Not saying mm-hmm. like I wouldn't. W- I don't think he's a toxic person. He's probably on the scale of toxic personalities in the. If you want to rank <laughs> in the, the wizards, yeah, yeah, I doubt he would be in the yeah. top three. But, you know, I think I think it's kind of that a weird and Grunfield, like, you know, isn't necessarily known as a great GM. I, I think it's one of those reaction. You know, we've talked we talked about this a lot on our, you know, the theory of what how a G, what kind of in what way a GM should be operating. And I think it's one of those reactionary moves. I don't think it's a horrible move, but at the end of the day, you traded two rotation players for one. If yeah. Ari- Ariza's not even necessarily having a really good season. Yeah. So he's not lighting it up or anything. And he's like not that. a cure ironically, like the best team, like I don't see what he's filling in except maybe providing it with slight upgrade over Ubre. Like he's not mm-hmm. fixing any of their fundamental problems. I don't I don't think I could be proven wrong. Yeah. So I don't think it's the worst deal in the world, but even accepting as a as a notion that they weren't going to pay Ubre and that mm-hmm. they would benefit from getting rid of him. I don't think this is necessarily the best the best deal they could have gotten from him. So yeah, from basically all perspectives, I I am with you in like confusion being the number one emotion yeah, it, here. Yeah, it's almost like a two for one. It like I mean, I was like I don't really know why they're doing it. You were talking about over text like they want to give Thomas Sadoransky oh, yeah, some minutes. Sarcasm, and, yeah, like, yeah. Get ready for, Sar- for, yeah, for more exactly. Sadoransky. Exactly. Um, it's it's just kind of confusing to me. It seems like Grunfeld kind of made this deal out of, all right, we need to make the playoffs with this team yeah. or I'm out of here. Yeah. And if we're in the playoffs, we have a chance at going somewhat far. I don't, I doubt it, honestly. I get the logic. I'm yeah. not sure I agree with yeah. it. I just think they could have kind of waited on Ubre a little yeah. bit more and maybe 
sold a little bit higher on him. It seems like they could have gotten a little bit more from him. Um, and even if they wanted to get out of like maybe a contract or so, like, like yeah. they couldn't, it was kind of confusing. Like they couldn't get out of like Jan Mahimi's contract. Like I know that's an albatross of a contract um, and he has two years left, but for me, I think you could have taken on, U- you traded Ubre, attached him with Mahinmi, and then gotten something for him. Yeah, that. and if you want to go a different route, if they were going to eventually, if they had gone the route this season of trading Waller Beal, like Ubre's a great sweetener in a in a wall trade or something along right, those lines. Right, with all the money. And, and now you really, right. yeah, exactly. And now you really don't have that anymore. So you really limited yourself going forward for one year of a 35-year-old wing. So, like, you know your mileage may vary. Right. I mean, and then speaking of other trade possibilities, mm-hmm. like LeBron came out with comments about mm-hmm. Anthony Davis yesterday and we're recording this on a Wednesday. Him about Anthony Davis looking good in as a Laker or like of course we'd want him as a Laker. I mean, obviously, I think any team was he asked about this, or did he come out? I'm pretty sure he was. I'm pretty sure he was asked about okay. it during like one of those um, scrums. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he, w- I think he was asked about it, but it was pretty fascinating that this is like one of those ESPN headline leading stories. Like, oh, LeBron wants Davis on his team, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Or he would be amazing on the team. Um, it's not I mean every team would want Anthony Davis. It's just a matter of like where the Lakers are in their development yeah. as a team and what you would what they would be willing to trade for him if they were to ever trade for him. And I don't know if that would be the smartest move for them. Yeah, well, I um I think this is interesting. I'm not a huge like ESPN uh and their narratives and blah blah blah, you right, know. Right. But I do see this as kind of uh, a media we driven, it, yes, a media driven thing. And here's why: like post Butler, w- in the NBA now, we've pretty much almost solidly over the past two years had some superstar who, if at nothing at like if there's nothing else, you can speculate about their future and a star that seems tradable. And post Butler, there isn't really one of those. And I think Davis is the next logical con- step, and for good reason. After this year, he's likely going to be eligible for that super max, you know, right. five years, two hundred, whatever million dollar contract. If he doesn't take it. It's going to, you know, the then the kind of the hunt is on, as my grandfather would, would say, you know. Uh, and I think that this is a great bit of kind of, you know, spice to throw in that simmering, slowly simmering tomato sauce of, <laughs> of Anthony Davis trade rumors. But yep. I agree with you. I, he's going to be a free agent in two years and that in that and that seems more of the proper time for for a move at, at this point unless maybe you're somebody like the Celtics. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it totally makes it makes sense from a media perspective as to why everyone's pushing this narrative of who's the next guy leaving. There's it's always been like if we look back at like the last couple of guys, it was like Kyrie for a little bit, then it was Jimmy Butler, um I'm probably forgetting other guys in there. Um, 
Paul George was in there. Yeah. Like, there's just you have mellow right. going back even more. Like post LeBron decision, you pretty much always have Kawhi. You didn't uh, right, you right. Know, even you Kawhi. always have someone to kind of speculate about. You know, right. So I mean, I. I don't think it's smart for the Lakers to even entertain a trade, especially with where they're sitting at fourth right now in the West. Although the West is like especially cramped, and we'll probably talk about that next. Um, but they're sitting at fourth. They haven't played particularly great basketball. I feel yeah. like I I feel like they've kind of been up and down um, on the court depending on how LeBron's playing mm-hmm. um, and maybe he's looking for some of that consistency with a player like Davis next to him but I'm I'm not sure like what would you even go like trade for Davis at this point well here's the other thing and the reason like I th- not even necessarily interested in going down that road I don't think the Pelicans until they offer him that extension and he says no I don't think they're trading him anyway right no matter there's, what there's no you way know what you I would. mean why yeah. would you especially in an organization like the Pelicans that's so des one of these kind of s- not smaller market but one of these fringe franchises that seems very desperate to make the playoffs and stay relevant so i i don't think even if they throw whatever you consider the mother load at them i don't know ball ingram and kuzma and what i just everyone yeah i don't don't know know. even would say yes yeah so i you know what i i don't think it's really happening at the at at this juncture yeah i mean it would make more sense next year i would think if the Pelicans offered him. He says no towards that trade deadline next year. If it didn't work out, then I think it would make sense for them because then he would just end up leaving without getting anything. And I think that'll be if if next year the the Lakers return with a vaguely similar roster construction, basically meaning that they don't hit on one of these other free agents. You know, I don't think KD's going there. I don't think Kawhi's going there. You mm-hmm. know. Is there a situation where, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler doesn't pan out with the Sixers and he goes there? I I don't know. But, you know, and there's this narrative swirling of like, hmm, maybe no superstars really want to play with LeBron, you know? I think uh, so. Anyway, I, I think it's much more of a future down the down the road possibility. If it is one, one thing we haven't mentioned, there is that clutch sports connection with Rich Paul. Yeah, uh, who also reps Anthony Davis. So, you know, stay woke on that. Yeah. So but I feel like we're beating a dead yeah, horse, exactly. like basically just talking about this over and over again until yes. it happens. It's I don't foresee anything happening, but it's fun to kind of. Yeah. Like, is this just talk. because you do we have to talk about this on every podcast? Because I ju- you have I, that one Laker fan. Yeah. Well, I just we fe- need to well, I just the- feel like we have to <laughs> throw it in there just to no, kind of say, like, you know what? LeBron said something about it. Oh, LeBron's, and it's fun to speculate. Right. You know, he doesn't do. I mean, you know, LeBron is the master chess player and, you know, mm-hmm. everything he says is strategic. But, you know, you don't get that kind of thing from him too too often so right so what i did want to talk about was kind of talk about this play on the court and zoom out and talk about uh the western conference and how it's so tight it's still extremely tight the top 14 teams are realistically in the playoff picture i mean utah is in 14th right now they're sitting at 14 and 17 and they are two and a half games out of the eighth seed and yeah. the eighth seed as of now are the sacramento Kings. Yeah. so it, there's just so much stuff going on in terms of the top 14 
um, in the West. Now, I think what would be really fun to kind of do is go through each team yeah. and maybe rapid fire kind of quickly yeah. and talk about whether we think they're a lock, they have a realistic shot at making making it in the Western Conference Finals or the playoffs, yeah. or you're just kind of out on the team already. Yeah. Um, so right now, Denver's is sitting at number one. I think they're pretty much a lock, 21-9. and nine. Uh, Golden State's number two, Oklahoma City three, uh, LA's at four, the Lakers. Your Blazers are at five. Yeah. The Clippers are at six. Memphis is at seven. Sacramento's at eight. Number nine's Dallas. Number 10's Houston. San Antonio's number 11. Uh, New Orleans, Minnesota, then Utah. So let's say this. If we had to write you right now, you had to bet your life on one of those teams not making the playoffs, who would you pick? Not making it? Yeah. Because I think there are two contenders, <laughs> one riskier than the other. Bet my life on them. Yeah, not making it. Minnesota? Yeah, mine would be Minnesota as well. And Sacramento. Well, I, I was going to say, I think you have two, th- the two obvious picks there are Minnesota and Sacramento, with Sacramento being riskier because Sacramento, you're betting on them regressing in some sort of way, which I would also guess they would like if i were putting money on it i would i would put it on not but i just think minnesota has less talent and i think some of their early success with post the butler trade was one you know simmons ewing theory they finally got that monkey off their back and and were kind of languishing without him and i also think they had kind of a they got lucky hitting some bad teams and some teams that were in in the middle of swoons, including my Blazers. Mm-hmm. So I I would bet that they're probably not going to make the playoffs. I would kind of remove them from that list of contenders. And the Kings, it's it's kind of one of these interesting things when you have these sport upstart things like divining the real th- like divining your Leicester City types where it's like they're going to you know they're going to fall off they're going to fall off they're going to fall off and then it's over and and they were good the whole time like trying to look at those things about sustainability I think offensively what they're doing is sustainable uh that kind of pace you know thing Darren Fox looks really good I actually think what could Yeah. yeah like really 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 good what I think actually could end up being a little bit of their undoing is the organizational instability, the stuff with Jaeger. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been this, apparently, there's been this uh, kind of tension with him and one specific assistant GM who, like, he kicked out of the practice or something at some point. That's hilarious. And a lot of that tension apparently has to do with starting Bagley as opposed to Bielitsa, Nemanja Bielitsa, who they're currently starting. Bielitsa is more of a stretch four who's very well suited to the offense they want to try and play. Bagley also looks very good, uh, but is just a kind of more more of a dinosaur in the NBA game, kind of your classic uh, mm. around the basket, low post guy. Um, and there was also this interesting kind of comment Jaeger made recently after they played the Mavs, where he basically he said, kind of, unfortunately for us, Luka Doncic looks really, really good. Yeah. And some people interpreted that to be a veiled shot at management for taking Bagley over, over Doncic. Doncic. So you know. But could you imagine Doncic on this? Team? Sure. No, he would. Oh, he would. Man. He would be great. Yeah. He, he would be. Of course, he. I mean, they. 
would be even more of a bona fide playoff contender than than they were. So anyway, if I had to venture a prediction for the Kings, it would be that because remember they don't they I'm going on a little bit, but they have an incentive to play well because they don't have their pick this year. So if right. I had to, if I had to bet where they I'd say they end up around like ten or so. I think it's more sustainable than people think, but I think that making making the playoffs will will be tough. And like if we look back on like we're doing a pretty deep dive on the Kings, but if you look back at that Demarcus trade, yeah, like kind of worked it worked out, out. no like it, yeah. Buddy healed is looking good like yeah. he's scoring like 20 a game or whatever it yeah. is and he on good pretty decent percentages like they have a lot of good players yeah they have good can, pieces they have decent pieces that Collie stein looks good great in that as you mentioned either to me personally or off or on the last podcast we did he looks to be in that capella mold of a great rim runner who can mm-hmm. you know maybe protect the rim a little bit i think the one question for them is like do they need another piece or does their deve- will their development be internal but i i think that'll that'll bear out in time and then i think for this season you kind of just got to ride the high and then next semester next oh my god next semester yeah i'm thinking about law school yeah Yeah, next next year when you have your pick again you can start to worry about the other stuff yeah i mean i think i think ideally they would love to have like an ariza or like a like a veteran type of guy that can play decent rotation type of minutes for them which would solidify uh their top eight top nine players but I mean, why not just kind of roll with what what's working right now and see what yeah. they can do and see if they can make the playoffs. Before we move on, I wanted to ask you this, De'Aaron Fox, is he a gar- how many how many All-Stars do you think he has before his career is over? Because you think I about don't know. that's hmm. I was thinking about this, when will that this next wave like truly hit? Because De'Aaron Fox, it, you know, you think about like I'm just going to go down the, you think about, you know, Lillard, Westbrook, you know, you even still have your Conleys, like all these great point guards. And then you have that next wave of like Murray, Darren Fox, like it'll be interesting to see when they start truly being seen as kind of like the elite. I th- I think Fox will get there before Murray does. Like yeah. Murray, I would say, I don't know if he'll really ever be an all-star or not, but you would think Fox will be an all-star at some point. And like, I was like, is it 2022 when he finally hits that all-star, you I know, think, mark? Yeah, I think in three years or so. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he's on an all-star team. I don't know if he makes it, like, all-NBA level. Yeah, I'm not sure about that either. I think he'd need to develop a little bit more of a, a jumper. Shot, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, right now he's shooting 38%, 39% yeah. uh, from three, yeah, I mean which that's, is no, that's pretty solid. No, nah, that's way better than Westbrook shooting from yeah, three. Yeah, I know, so. exactly. So he's really impressed me, and their pace has impressed me, especially yeah. with Jaeger. And you, you would think kind of like Jaeger is coming from Memphis and like yeah. this slow system, and they're really pushing the pace um, at, in Sacramento. But anyways, we so we kind of – we're pretty much – we pretty much think Sacramento and Minnesota aren't going to make the playoffs. I don't think the Spurs are going to make the playoffs either. But are you still on the train? Because I picked them to miss the playoffs <laughs> yeah, before I, the season. I, I mean, I picked them to, to make it, make to, it at yeah. number seven or eight, I think. So I I got to hold on to them and see. You're still, on, yeah. you're still in on them? I mean, I, I mean, they have DeMar and LaMarcus. They haven't looked amazing by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm still not discounting pop until 
it's like mathematically <laughs> impossible for them to miss the, or to make the playoffs. So I don't know. I'm still in on them. I think Dallas is one year away. I absolutely agree with you. I was going um, to say the same. I think people are now starting to look at them for that eight seed, mm-hmm. and I would tell everybody pump the brakes just a tiny bit. I, I loved I, Luca. They I look love great. Him. Now yeah. Luca looks incredible. Um, I would say you're more of a Luca on. The, you're driving the Luca bandwagon. I did. I think if you go back and listen to our NBA draft stuff, I did believe he was clearly the best player in last year's draft. Yeah, just come I mean, up, he's just com- come on aboard. I no, I am. I'm I'm on it, but I just have other people who uh, who I also <laughs> right, enjoy. Right. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like you're just head over heels. You know, Kevin, you're just more of a. You know, you get fixated on. Well, on I just yeah. I mean, I no, get. I'm it's kidding. late at night. I'm laying in bed and yeah. I'm watching. Dallas Mavericks highlights and texting Andrew like, yeah. "Are you watching?" I mean, Luka that right step now? back, like that kind of step back. That's a shot. Three, yeah. like where it's like he's like it's literally like a tiptoe. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah. the big, I, I'm miming like a you know kind of like uh, legs spread as far apart as I can. It, it's just so so fun to watch, and you know he has such confidence. Like he just plays the game with the you know. He's like 19. He, he's no, 19. exactly. It's like crazy. it's just like it's like watching Manu. Like it's to me, it's like watching. Ma- maybe it's not great to put all these. You know what? It's like watching. It's like watching James Harden if he were like pure finesse as opposed to Agreed. you know having Agreed. those yep. those those moves mm-hmm. kind of. So I mean, yes, incredibly fun to watch. But I I think we need one more. Y- I think you need one more year, and maybe you need to turn over some of those fringe guys, your Wesley Matthews and and people like that, and yeah. maybe get some upgrades. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to try to determine whether or not Dennis Smith is, like, a guy for them or not. Yeah, I do have to say, though, I think the de- but my biggest concern for them was negotiating the Dennis Smith-Luca ball-handling split, and I think it's actually working better than better than I yeah, thought it Yeah, I mean, Smith is out out for from a long for a long-term yeah. injury right now but when they were on the court together yeah it didn't look terrible yeah um, i think it's i think it's tenable yeah i don't know if the numbers bore out like to what we were watching on the on on the screen or on the court but it didn't seem like it looked that bad um and it looked like they're able to share the ball pretty well and luca the great thing about luca is that he doesn't have to score to affect the game he he's able to pass really well um he he just has the iq part of that the basketball iq down uh which is really impressive to me as a 19 year old um so i i don't know but i think they're kind of one one season away so that's another team that we have out so we have 11 teams left yeah uh for eight spots um so I'll list them: Utah, New Orleans. Yeah, I was thinking about how sh- how we should tackle this. Well, what about the Grizzlies? Let's knock them out real yeah, quick because I would out. say they're I'm the next. Them. They're yeah. the next team out, and they they've been intre- They've been very interesting. They're kind of almost go reverting back to that grit and grind a little bit s- style of play defensively. In out of those West teams, I think how they're managing to to kind of skate by is that they have a lot of replacement level defenders. You know, be it a slow mo Kyle Anderson or yep. you know or 
whoever else you want to you want to pull out of pull out of that kind of muck of players and then you have Conley and Gasol playing playing solidly I I just don't know if it's enough and I don't know if it's tenable I I've I've heard, I've read kind of that some of their metrics, like they may be kind of having an unsustainable amount of, like their defense may not necessarily be sustainable. And I just, I'm just not sure they really have what it takes to, to go, because I think you really have to be pretty consistent through the whole season if you want to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's what's been fascinating with them that Conley and Gasol have looked this good yeah. after the injuries that they've had. And I think a lot of NBA guys, NBA Twitter people were like, they're done. Yeah, because, ready to write them off. Right, because of how old they were and coming back from serious injuries. But they've looked almost better uh, right post-injury than what they were before they got injured. So it's been really impressive to see them kind of ball out and see like Conley's doing like this pick and roll stuff with Gasol. It, it's just like their bread and butter they yeah. just kind of do the same thing that they were doing like two years ago yeah. and if it continues that team firing with firing with um conley and gasol they were like a 45-ish win team so it's hard to kind of rule them out but with how deep the west is i would definitely probably take them off the list um so if I had to give you right now the, because this will this will be an interesting way to incorporate some other teams. If I gave you how many games I don't know the Grizzlies are ahead of the Jazz right now, two and a half. So they're two and a half, and I'll give you, you can either have like the Jet, you have to put a hundred dollars on it, and I'll give you the Jazz at even odds. You know you'll win a hundred, or the Grizzlies. I'll give you two hundred if they make it. Wait, oh. Which bet would you take? I think I'm gonna take the Jazz, but yeah, I, don't, I agree with you. I don't. I still feel un, like shaky. We about talked it. a little bit about the Jazz last time, or and how about this? Let's even put this another way. Who do you think's more likely to come around and look like last year's team, the Rockets or or the Jazz? Not necessarily even play at those levels, but play at like a solid top top half of the West team. I I mean I actually like the Rockets better than okay. the Jazz. I mean I think they've been showing some stuff. They're on a four game winning streak, so lately yeah. they've looked. They need another wing though. It seems like they've figured it out a little bit. Yeah, they do need another guy, and I think they're kind of waiting to see who gets cut. Yeah. Some waiver. The ironic thing is Ariza would have been. <laughs> I know. Would have been very would have really <laughs> helped them out. I'm I'm kind of curious as to see as to see your. I don't know if they kicked the tires on that and, I don't know, maybe asked if Ariza wanted to come back and stuff like that. But, yeah, I think Houston, I would take Houston over the Jazz. My whole thing, I think we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast. My thing about the Jazz is maybe this is just the team that they are. Yeah. And that they had that hot, hot, like, finish to last year. Um, and, th- I mean, the first half of the year, they were struggling. And then that second half of the year, they really turned it on. And they looked really good. Obviously, I think this was the pace as to what they were um, playing. Or they were worse last year, obviously. But, I don't know, Rubio hasn't looked as good. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little disappointed in Mitchell, to be honest Donovan with you. Mitchell Donovan Mitchell's one of my favorite kind of young players in the NBA. And I just... 
I was hoping you'd kind of see him take his game up a level, and I don't think it's quite happened. And I think when you pair that with Rubio regressing a little bit, the defense regressing a little bit, you know, that, and that's where you're at. And when the West is a bloodbath, you know, that's kind of where you're at. So I would put, like, my concern level at, like, elevated for them. Like, I'm a little concerned. Like, the longer we go and they're not showing kind of hints of that, of that former self, you know, I, I'll be concerned. But obviously they've shown the capacity to turn it on and reel off a hot stretch. So maybe post-All-Star it happens again, and then we realize, like, oh, they're just slow starters or yeah, something Yeah, and like I, that. I mean, I think they're trying to – they're trying things. They tra- traded uh, Alec Burks for Kyle Korver. So they're yeah. trying to kind of, like – restart this yeah, team and, and try li- to excite I, this team I, yeah but i like that trade when it happened but now that like it's we're we're f- like a few weeks out from it i'm kind of like that didn't really address any of it the problems move the they actually it have the though yeah yeah it doesn't move the needle at all and playoff time it it's kind of i wonder what ends up happening with like the Derek favors and rudy gobert lineup and whether or not those two players can play with each other i'm giving you a thumbs down right now and yeah it was almost like i kind of already knew the answer to my own question in that i don't think those two guys can play together yeah so yeah i think you're looking at some sort of small lineup with joe ingles at the four Jay or something crowder. or crowder yeah. yeah you go crowder ingles you know yep crowder ingles rubio um, Mitchell. Mitchell and yeah. Gobert. So it, I wonder if this team ends up turning it around. As of now, now that I'm looking at it, it's like hard to even see that the Spurs wouldn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Well, like that's why, because if, if you think the Jazz and the Rockets are going to make it, mm-hmm. that really. Well, because do you think. So do you think these four teams are a lock for the playoffs, barring major injury? And actually, the Nuggets. Millsap's out for his classic annual, yep. I think, two-month stretch. Gary Harris, and Gary is, Harris yep. is out for a while too. But I don't know. I think they're so at the. I'm I, the Nuggets have been like my favorite team in the West to watch. They've I've been actually been pretty impressive. impressive. I think uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez has been like a very underrated like kind of piece for yeah. them, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Do you think these four teams are basically locks, barring major injury? Warriors, Nuggets, Lakers, Thunder. Yeah, because I agree with that. Locks. And once you do, once once you accept that, like you're like, oh, because it's hard to rule anyone out. But at the same time, only four of those teams are going to make it. We haven't even gotten into teams like the Clippers, who I like a lot. But as we go along, they've kind of had a rough. Patch right now, and I'm kind of thinking like I think they're going to end up in the same spot. Like they would, I'd pick them for probably the nine seed, like as as your first one out. Okay, so for the last four seeds, I would probably so let's fill it out. So those four teams that we had are locks: the the Nuggets, the Warriors, the Thunder, and the Lakers. I think my next four, I'm going to put the Spurs in there. The next four are going to be the Blazers. Um, Utah, Houston, and the Spurs, and then I have LA, okay. LA lo- being that ninth. LA team. Clippers. Yep. I I would switch out the Spurs for uh. Wait, who? I think Pelicans? the same. Yeah, I think the same. Yeah, because I I actually think if I had to predict it right now, I think the same teams as last year are gonna make it, but swap out the Nuggets for the, swap out the Nuggets for the Timberwolves. 
right. from last year's Raw. So yeah, I, I think the Pelicans, uh, yeah, the Pelicans will make it. Although I'm very concerned. I was very high on them before the season, at the beginning of the season. I thought AD was just going to play at this blockbuster level and carry them. I think they really need another guy like yesterday desperately like desperately like, yeah and I, they but, probably need two guys but honestly I think they will make a move at the i think they're pretty much to me guaranteed to make some kind of move at the deadline whether it's a great move i don't know we have yet to even get an inkling of like what kind of players might be available who other than cleveland's like is a real seller in yeah the, in the league I don't, right now yeah, I, don't I don't know i don't maybe really a guy know. like Bay's more you yeah, know, could that's, move. That I don't name, know what the money situation. Yeah, that name has like been there. tossed around. Uh, there's been talk like Tim Hardaway possibly, <laughs> like he's been playing decently for the Knicks. Like, yeah, I don't, who has like, money? The money. Yeah, to take him on though. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they kind of trade bad contract for bad contract. Yeah, you do the Solomon Hill and yeah. something for yeah, we'll Tim Hardaway. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I think that would be definitely an upgrade, Tim Hardaway over Solomon Hill. Yeah, I don't know if the Knicks would ever do something like that because they would be taking money on and no expirings. Yeah, so I would say the Pelicans are just like your Spurs for me, where like it, it doesn't really look great the more and more I think about it. But like you're not ready to rule out Pop. Like I just can't rule right. out Anthony Davis. We've yeah. had like machinations of this discussion on the pod before. Yeah, so it's just like it's kind of. What I realize analyzing the Western Conference and going through this conversation okay. is that this conference is super deep, yeah. but there's not many teams where you're just like, I love, love them. Yeah. It's more just like, uh, I find them interesting, well, but yeah. there's a lot of flaws. That's the interesting dichotomy between the East and the West this year. People are like, is the East finally better than the West? And when you look at the top of the conference... It seems like the answer is yes, because you have, you know, you have the Raptors, you have the Bucks, you have the Pacers now look really, really good. You have the Celtics and you have the Sixers, obviously. And other than the Warriors, are those teams all better than what the second team in the West will be? The answer is possibly yes. But when you get beyond that, like it drops off so drastically in the East where the West, every team like definitely has major flaws arguably right but they're still pretty good so like they're I, good teams that could win night in night out yeah. it, it's like if dallas is if dallas is playing like the lakers or dallas is playing one of the yeah. top teams they could win on any given night and that's the other thing but about, is yeah. there the, the consistency and the other thing about the east is like if you're a team like the pacers you might be able to escape by with oladipo getting hurt for a while because you get to beat up on east teams night in and night out right and then i think in seven game series um and during the playoffs a lot of this changes yeah. and that's true like it depends like there's teams that are good for the regular season and then teams that are good for uh, the playoffs, like Denver, I don't know if I trust them in the playoffs yet. Uh, hmm. They're yeah, they're s they're a great regular season team and they've been rolling along. But yeah. I don't know how much I can trust them. I was playoffs. just thinking about how much I can trust the Blazers in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was laughing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and then I mean, we could talk. I don't know if you want to talk Eastern Conference a little bit. Um, the thing about that is, like, we, we can, already if know. you want, we I have know, nothing, to, like, there's nothing, in, and there's nothing interesting to report to me about them. It's like, the Celtics are still having problems, the Sixers, 
are looking good, but there's possible personality. Like, here's my two 20-second rundown. The Celtics look the same. The Sixers possibly have some personality issues, but it'll probably make it work. They're very shallow. The Raptors look great. They're maybe the best team in the NBA. And the Bucks look the same as the last time we talked about them. The yeah. Pacers are, only, are the only team of note that that's interesting. Everyone else, like there's some interesting things to pick out. Blake Griffin's having a really, really great really year in, uh, in Detroit. You know, Kemba's having a really great, probably his best season of his career. Like there are individual fun little things to pick out, but none of those teams really intrigue me. And that's why with the West, to me, it's interesting to kind of figure out that pu- puzzle where and the hierarchy the East, it seems yep. more preordained other than like ooh, will the magic get the get the eight seed there's nothing like out of the ordinary there right so before we get to our beloved talk about the portland Trail trailblazers and the brooklyn nets i did want to talk about we talked about successes yeah. in the nba but yeah. i also wanted to kind of flip it on the other side yeah Talk about the dysfunctional franchises that are going on in the NBA. And I think that just kind of naturally brings me to the Chicago Bulls over the past month or so um, of the season. Yeah, this is incredible. Uh, Well, so I'm kind of a Bulls aficionado. Like, I'm constantly, like, I feel like I'm kind of texting you, like, like, just like every few days, like I have some head, like ESPN headline to text you, like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. So let me give you, if I'm missing anything, yeah, you give can that, tell me. give the outline. I'll give and you I'll a supplement. short, sum, yeah. because I don't think we've done this podcast since um, Hoidberg was fired. So yeah, we haven't. Fred Hoidberg, uh, the coach of the Chicago Bulls, was recently fired. Bye uh, bye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, there was much hand-wringing and debate as to was he given a fair shake um, in Chicago. Uh, he'd never really gotten a, a roster that suited his offensive style. People may remember the ill-fated three-alpha season with Butler, Wade, and Rondo. Um, and then, you know, post-Butler trade, he was kind of left with a flawed roster as well. This year, he was finally given kind of an interesting young team to work with. Some people, including, I believe, Kevin Wu, said that there was a fr- they had fringe playoff chances, <laughs> where, whereas I, I really didn't uh, see it. Please but bury the tape on that, please. Um, but however, I will give him some credit and you some credit. They they've been plagued. They've never really had a chance to with the team at full strength. But regardless, he's fired and is replaced by an assistant coach named Jim Boylan. Not to be confused with Jim Boylan, who was a coach for I believe the Bulls at some point yep. and other other the Bucks. I think. Yeah, yeah. other kind of midwestern teams um, in like the mid two thousand. Just mid reminds to late me 2000s. of like an Indiana Hoosiers type. Of yeah, like it is very Hoosiers like that. type of coach. But Jim Boylan see. actually was a assistant coach in the NBA for many years and is most known for working under Greg Popovich. So it's interesting that you bring up this Indiana Hoosiers style of basketball because Jim Boylan had decided to basically run the team like a fucking high school basketball (laughs) team, including doing suicides and push-ups in in practices, practicing after back-to-backs. And some of just the highlights of like the dysfunction was this back-to-back practice where the players basically revolted and decided like held a players only meeting in lieu of the practice um 
another fun highlight is um, during a blowout, a 50-point blowout against, I forget who, but there was some 50-point blowout. They've been booed off the court multiple times in this stretch. Um, but at some point during a 50-point blowout, Boylan pulled all five starters for and put in subbed in all five bench players and basically didn't put the starters back in for the rest of the game. And I just find this quote so funny. So uh, uh, Levine or somebody was really mad. And apparently after the game, Boylan was talking to and some unnamed players player. And he was like, listen, you know, I worked for pop and pop would do this all the time. So I don't see what the problem is. And the player apparently responded, well, we're not the Spurs, and you're certainly not Greg Popovich. <laughs> so, uh, one other funny thing that happened. I'm going, but it's just so funny to me. Apparently, um, the Bulls have. I will say, in recent days, I think they they've won a couple games. They beat since my then. beat my Spurs. Yeah, they beat they beat the Spurs, <laughs> and I've actually I've reeled off a couple wins. But th- the funniest thing I think happened is the Bulls together put together like a leadership committee of players who will like act as the liaison to the co so they can't even talk like human beings they they need a fucking committee and the, the icing on the cake is that i think there's a if not a real agreement a handshake agreement that boylan will continue to coach I- into next season also jabari parker is out of the rotation now yeah there's just a whole host of like problems yeah um, i don't know where you want to go with this there's I, like, a, I mean there's a yeah. lot what, of different what, things what, what stands out well, to you about first all of this? all i'm convinced pop just ended up giving giving boylan the win kind of saying he needs <laughs> to win more than yeah. i do so at That's this funny. point so i think pop was like yeah he can have this one uh I mean, my second point that I did want to point out, I think, is to give some of the listeners some context. Because I think with us being pretty, I guess, big followers of the NBA, we understand how the NBA schedule works. Yeah, I was... Whereas... Whereas... Because there is I a think, slight reaction, right. like these players are so entitled. Like, right, right. You know, blah, so blah, 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 blah. That was, that was my thinking in that a normal listener that doesn't follow the NBA on a regular basis would kind of be like, What's the problem with them practicing? Yeah. Aren't they? Isn't that what they're there to do to be NBA players? But if you look at the schedule and think about the schedule of an NBA player, a lot of times when they have back-to-back games um, and they have a break of a couple of days before their next game, they typically take it very easy on the the day after of of a back-to-back uh, game schedule. So. It's pretty unprecedented that someone like Boylan kind of mandates them running suicides and basically having a really, really intense and hard practice. Supposedly, it was like a two, three-hour practice, which is kind of unheard of in the middle of the NBA season. So to give – basically, NBA teams don't do that. So with all – you know, I could – imagine listeners being like well aren't basketball players supposed to play basketball and, yeah and do all that type of stuff but that's just to kind of give it some context that what he's doing there is kind it seems like is trying to make a power play over this team and basically like you were saying be this auth- 
authoritarian high school type of coach. Apparently, there was some idea also that maybe the your Garpaxes and your management were like, "Hey, go in there and be Tibbs 2.0." You know, like ah, uh, we have to whip take him it back. To, yeah, so so you can't blame Boylan completely. And yeah, just to reiterate what you said, especially the NBA is going so much more towards two things: one, kind of a player-friendly environment. It's not necessary. It's not the 1970s. These players generally enjoy a greater degree of more personal autonomy, and their their personalities and what they were raised in just isn't conducive to like a military style of of training. Whether you want that to be the case or not, and the other thing is that rest is really really important in in the and the 82 games is a lot. Back to backs usually come on the road where mm-hmm. you're factoring in things like travel, you know. So. The, the best teams generally don't even really practice. So, you know, the, 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 the notion that, like, this is something that they should expect it is not. Like, this is definitely out of the ordinary and, and in direct contrast to what, where the trends of the NBA are going. So, you know, I, yeah, I agree. I, with I mean, I just wanted point. to talk about it because I think it's kind of yeah. fun. And so what do you think about Jabari uh, dropping out of the rotation? Like, um... I mean, they're just tanking at this point, aren't well, they? Well, but do you, I think he's? I think the notion is like, well, one, there are a couple things. They signed him to play the three, which is not his natural position at all. But I believe the notion is like he's not better than Markinen, and I think like Bobby Portis just like stole minutes from him, basically. Mm, so and he's just out of the rotation. So yeah, way. I mean, we both liked that that trade. Uh, when it happened or the signing yeah, when the it signing, happened. Yeah. I don't know if it was structured as a sign-and-trade or, or what exactly happened, but um, we liked it when it happened as a risk, but it just seems like it really hasn't panned out, and I'd be there's been some talk about like maybe the Jazz as a team for him, but I, I don't get it, and I think I think he's going to get bought out at some point. I would. I have to say, like, as a Blazer fan, someone like that, like I think he possibly has a future in this league as a six-man type. He why, can't defend why, for shit. Yeah, he but. can't defend, but just pretend like he can put the ball in the basket. He could score like fifteen to eighteen points a game. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think he could help a team. Uh, tr- if they're trying to make a playoff push or need bench help and need a scorer off the bench, I could definitely see something like that happening. Uh. So you did transitioning on and moving into talking about the Trailblazers, talking about the Nets. Let's yeah. Let's talk about the Nets first. You want to talk about the Nets? Yeah, first? because we just because we were in the West for a while. Okay. So, Karis where, Le- where do you want to start? So yeah. Last, ta- last, last time we talked yeah. about Karis LeVert getting injured, he's still on his way back. Thankfully, we found out it wasn't as serious as we thought yeah. or it looked like. So he'll be back by the end of the season, and hopefully, he'll be able to play, which is a really, really big, I guess, morale boost probably for the team and that he's not out for the season, and we'll get to see this product more and more. They were on an eight-game losing streak um, pretty recently, and then they just reeled off six wins, and I think they're like the hottest team in the NBA right now in terms of winning six six in a row. And they haven't been against bad competition. They just beat the Lakers yesterday. Yeah. Um, And I've been pretty impressed with how they looked. Like, D'Angelo's looked extremely extremely good he's kind of taken 
uh, the responsibility of being that Leeds guy. Mm-hmm. And then Spencer Dinwiddie's looked really good, and he's gotten rewarded for it with an extension, a three-year extension, I believe, um, from the Nets. So I've been particularly impressed with both of them. And I think a lot of their, like, young guys and then, like, the supplemental pieces like Joe Harris, Jared Dudley, they've been coming through, and they've really impressed me. So, yeah, I think as from an outsider's perspective, where I want to go with it is, what is the Dinwiddie extension to you? Because it's three years, $34 million, I think, kind of he's getting paid in that fringe starter to key bench guy role. I love Dinwiddie's game a lot. Like, if I were choosing between, like, him and, say, like, Terry Rozier, like, which one of those guys do I want? I'm going Dinwiddie. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I love his game a a lot, and I think he deserved that. He hasn't really made a lot of money in his career. I think it's a great deal for both sides. He gets to make a little money. I think he, had he reached the open market, he probably would have gotten more from another team. So I, I yep. think it's good for the Nets in that respect as well. Um, it's a tradable asset. The I, you could make an argument about you know like what it does for their cap situation. Does it say something about? what they think they're going to get in the free agent market. I don't know, but I think he's definitely movable should that should that happen. But um, my question to you would be, like, what does Dinwiddie's signing say about the prospect of a D'Angelo Russell, Dinwiddie, platoon slash them playing? Is, is the future them playing together? I think... Them, I, you know, what, what do you want kind of from that? I think this stretch has kind of showed that they can play together. I mean, they... Like, Dinwiddie's been coming off the bench for them, and he's been playing this six-man type of role for them. And he's been coming off the bench and been, like, a finisher. So he's been finishing a lot of these games. And he's been getting the ball in his hands a lot late in the shot clock and then basically relying on him to make plays off the dribble or pull up from three. So I've been really impressed with how he's played. And with D'Angelo being a little bit taller as a guard, he can guard twos on the other end and guard opposing twos, two guards. So it's not like on the defensive end, the Nets would get killed by them if they both play together because D'Angelo is like 6'5", 6'6". And D'Angelo's really impressed me. So I, I wouldn't be opposed to a future three guard rotation of Levert, D'Angelo Russell and Dinwiddie playing in conjunction with each other. And the great thing about those three players is that they can all play with one another yeah. and be on the court on the, at the same time together, um, which is really important. And then I think a second thing that the contract extension kind of shows for the Nets is that if you're willing to... like anyone can really succeed with our team and i think that in conjunction with the joe harris deal too is kind of like the nets management building up good relations with a lot of these fringe type of players like let's say if i'm a guy that is maybe on my last legs or is on my third team and looking for a team and they see the example of what joe harris had had been able to do with the nets what Dinwiddie's done with the Nets. It just shows that the Nets are willing to give guys opportunities that didn't get them elsewhere, and they'll really give them these opportunities. Yeah, it definitely is another win for kind of that Nets culture. And I I just wanted to bring up one. uh, I agree with you. I think Dinwiddie and and 
D'Lo especially are interesting, kind of a yin and yang, because I think despite as well as um, D'Angelo has been playing, I would say to me his one weakness is still like a lack of ability to net create his own shot sometimes. Yep. He can't really get separation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Whereas that's Dinwiddie's arguably his biggest strength is his ability to create offense for himself. So it's kind of an interesting yin and yang there especially given that um you like you mentioned uh d'angelo's defensive versatility and yeah i think recently uh, the recent stretch has been about the young guys like you'll have your occasional dudley you know great performance but jared allen i think you know he's just fun to watch and i think obviously he had that great block on lebron uh which which is good and he when he's playing unafraid and playing confidently i i enjoy watching him a lot so i think at this point like Every time we talk about them, like we're kind of like, should they try and make the playoffs? Not. I think at this point, you can. If I'm a Nets fan, I'm really putting that to the side and just kind of. I'm just enjoying, enjoying the development. Yeah, yeah because it, I'm it, just enjoying. Yeah, it. it's 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 po- mostly pretty positive. And you're gonna have your slides. You're gonna have your hot stretches. I think uh-huh. that's part and parcel with I what think that team is right now. I think the one guy to look out for, the one youngish guy on the Nets roster that I. I'm hoping he can develop some sh- sort of a shot is Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Yeah. Because defensively, he l- looks pretty good. He's like one of these guys that can switch on any type of player and s- keep keep the guy in front of him. But if he's able to develop a corner three and be somewhat deadly from there, then like that's a, another weapon that they have um, that they can develop. Yeah. And I would be super happy with that. But he's looked ba- pretty decent coming back from injury. I was going to say, as a Blazer fan, I think your model's like Al Camino. Yeah. Someone like that. You know, obviously, even Al Camino, like, you would prefer him to shoot a higher percentage from three. I think he's probably around 35, 36 percentage but on the season. But if you can like be that. serviceable and bring those other things, so long as you have other playmakers and shooters around him like that that's a perfectly viable starter for an NBA team at the four yeah and I don't know if the Dinwiddie contract changes anything in terms of what the Nets are going to try to do in the offseason I think they're going to try to get try to get meetings with these high profile guys I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't get anything and that's fine and they just kind of continue to build what they have now and they just hope that you know D'Angelo is able to take D'Lo's able to take a step forward and take another step forward for Jared Allen. And like all these young guys are able to grow together. And I'm, I'd be curious to see what ends up happening maybe in two years or so. Yeah. You're kind of looking at like the nuggets maybe as a model where you develop your young talent maybe you end up at some point down the line picking up a second tier all-star like like a Millsap you know mm-hmm. whoever that may be and in Brooklyn's the next couple a lot of years. More attractive to go- sure. Like it's not like Brooklyn's in New York. Yeah. It's, it's in the center of everything. Yeah. So it's not like it's a bad free agency destination at all. So I think they'll be able to attract um, some of those higher level guys once they establish that they're a fun team to play with. And um, I think once they're able to kind of determine whether or not they have a good vision going forward. And I mean, there, there, I had some reservations about Kenny Atkinson within that eight-game losing streak mm-hmm. in terms of now that they are somewhat in the playoff picture and kind of like lingering, it 
there's I think there's a big focus now on whether Atkinson could actually in-game coach, whereas before I think he was just judged solely on whether he could develop young talent, which I think he can definitely do. I mean, biggest success story is Jeremy Lin, all that type of stuff when he was with the Knicks. But it's all about now if he can get these guys in the right places in after time, after timeout, like plays and things like that. Yeah, and just one interesting thing that I have to say on that front is you have to rem- like coaches can develop also. You know, not everyone is like right. Brad Stevens, fully formed offensive quiz. I was about to say, as someone whose coach is Terry Stott, who was a pretty bad coach for the Bucks and like is someone now known as one of the better, you know, definitely a top twelve I, I would top, top twelve to ten yeah coach in the league. He is someone who's actually developed it. he still has his flaws, believe me, in terms of rotation management and stuff like that, I would argue. But like as it uh, coaches can actually get better at the in-game side of it. And Atkinson hadn't really had to do that at all. So yeah, you could I mean, argue that it's something experience. you have to kind of, you know, maybe get some experience in. So I wouldn't be too worried about that. Yeah, so let's transition to Portland and then close out the podcast. Yeah. What are your thoughts on them generally? Because, I mean, they are currently, I think, sitting at fifth right now yeah. um, in the league and or in, in the Western Conference. And... They've been, they've kind of been going through this like lull yeah. of like. They're coming out of it now. They're coming out of it yeah. now, but I would say when we're in the thick of final season, oh I was, yeah, I was like, Andrew, do you catch the uh, highlights of the Blazers game? And you're like, oh, I think I'm out on them for like two weeks. Yeah, you're going your annual. Hiatus, hiatus yeah. from the Blazers. Because I was gonna say, if we had talked a week ago, I would have been absolutely apoplectic. Um, and I was, that is true that it, it, it that for me, I just, as the type of fan I am, I, it, when they get, they can get hard to watch for me sometimes I, yeah. uh, because I'm pretty invested and I, I get so frustrated, especially this is, it's a model for them in that I think at some point they lost something like close to like eight of 10 basically. Yeah. And you're getting out, they're getting out to 20 point deficits every night and they just look so stagnant. And especially in those like Evan Turner or somebody like that, like oh, they, they can just, when they're in lulls, they can get so rough to watch Mm -hmm. they're they've won two straight they beat uh the raptors who had been the hottest team in the nba they didn't have lowry but even without low like they had been winning games even when you know like Kawhi wasn't playing when Mm -hmm. lowry wasn't playing so and they won pretty convincingly with a great outplay their bench so you have to be happy there and then they had a solid win over over the clippers the other night I think if they beat, they're playing the Grizzlies tonight. I think if they win, I would consider them over their slump for sure. And another thing to remember, what I'm tr- learning, what this slump taught me post the post the kind of hot start is that this is kind of just what this team is, and I think they'll end up okay. I think they'll end up in that six to three seed again. You know, mm-hmm. in the in the in the playoffs, barring injury, that w- that would be my my. Um, kind of my prediction we can talk about what's maybe changed and what what their keys to success will be going forward but on a macro level i i think they will come out of the slump okay it's also important to note they have one of the tough like pre-january 1st i think they have the second hardest schedule in the in the league so 
they were they had a big two week road trip and then they had they've they've been playing all of these Western Conference teams on the road. Like they haven't played the Hawks yet. They haven't played a lot of the like Eastern Conference Cupcake bottom teams, bottom yeah. feeders. They played the Knicks once, you know, but they, they haven't played a lot of a lot of these Eastern Conference teams. So I think they'll come out on the other side better than it better for it. Um I have to say a guy who's looked great recently, who's looked better now coming back from injury is Mo Harkless. And mm-hmm. I think that will be a key to their sustainability going forward. He's played more minutes, been able to show some stuff on offense and and play good defense, which is really all you all you can ask. Yeah. And I think he's kind of getting his feet under him. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. After after his injury. So yeah. I th- if he's able to give them what they need, like solid 10 points a game and give them 25 to 30 minutes solid defense. That's all you can really ask for. And it would definitely minimize the time that some of those bench players would see the court because it just pushes all these guys one level down or one, one spot down now that Harkless has reclaimed his starting role. Like layman's out of the rotation now for the most part. Right. So he's out of it. But even like, I think for me, what's been impressive is like, They've been able to kind of get something out of those bench guys yeah. that coming into the year, I think they they lost Shabazz, they lost um they lost Ed Davis, and there was kind of questions as to whether or not they'd be able to replace him. But, you know, Collins has stepped up. Even there's been Meyer there's been a Myers Leonard sighting. Yeah. So it's just and like it's been up and down of late. I will say they're mm. starting to trend in the past like seven games or so. I'd say they're starting to trend towards being bad yeah. as a unit again because there's been this um strategy of playing Lillard and McCollum together more, which relies on you playing all bench guys at some point, and that unit has given up some leads and kind of struggled to score at times but i will say that when you have a guy like harkless playing better like you can maybe experiment with him in the bench lineup a little bit you know some some other things um but what i would what i would point to as their biggest key to success actually is in the past couple games their offense has just looked better i find when they play in Stotts' flow offense which is predicated on a lot of motion a lot of cutting and the more athletic with a player like harkless like they can do that better uh cj mccollum has been focusing on be off the ball movement a lot more which i think is key for them because like when so to me, the key play in the Portland offense is the Nurkic kind of, you have your Nurkic Lillard pick and roll. So if you have like a Minu standing there, uh, CJ McCollum standing there, you know, what you're going to get is a defender kind of helping off a Minu and trying to funnel things toward a Minu, basically. And if McCollum's just standing in the corner or whatever, that that's made easier. But when you have guys cutting and these kind of secondary actions, flare screens, things of that nature, I think it just makes them a lot harder to defend and they end up being a more effective team for it the thing is i think that's hard to sustain on a night-to-night basis if you're not like the warriors at their peak or something like that and Mm -hmm. i think that's why you're going to occasionally have these lulls where the offense looks stagnant and at the end of the day they don't have a lot of those playmakers off the bench so at this point i feel like they kind of are what they are collins has been up and down as well but you know yeah i mean for them if there was like one type of guy that you would want, ideally, maybe it's not a specific guy, but it's a guy that would fulfill a type of role. 
yeah. and like a realistic guy that you might you might be able to get. Is there a guy out there that maybe like maybe a scorer, someone that can like put the ball in the hoop, yeah, like that type of guy off the bench? I think that would be extremely helpful for them. Yeah, I I think that's the key. Like that. I think the their um yeah that if you were looking for one of those guys, it would be like someone who can serve as the focal point of a bench unit mm-hmm. who's not CJ McCollum or Damian Lillard because when the bench has been good it's been in this like kind of team basketball sense and your Kurstauskas and your Seth Curry I think Seth Curry was the guy they were hoping could do that but he's looked a eh. little bit eh as he's str- to be fair to him he's coming back from an injury but he hasn't really impressed me with his ability to like get anything outside of like a three that like is kicked out to him wide open Mm -hmm. so like theoretically like yeah it's hard to think of a guy in in the league that's gettable like uh, J.R. Smith if like he was playing really well and like you could just turn it over to him and be like yo go out there and be like Lou Williams basically But I, I don't know. I mean, know Lou if Williams would I obviously obviously yeah, he'd some, be great yeah. for for any team, team. But you know, yeah. but Jr. Like maybe could see something like. But do you really want him to like no, shoot you out of games? Yeah, no, that's like true. That? And what it would take, like, I don't want to trade Mo Harkless for Jr. or something like that. So honestly, Col- Colmelo, on someone the who Col- does Mello. what Evan Turner <laughs> should be doing better than Turner, because I think Tur- Turner's another guy who's like, and he does this a lot for the Blazers. Like the first ten games, it's like, oh, he's passing, like he's facilitating, he's playing good defense, and then like. I just don't think that's him, and it's hard for him to sustain it from game to game. Like, you can't rely on him to run the second unit, I yeah. don't think. But, I I mean, I don't think, um, uh, but honestly, th- like, mostly anything has changed with this yeah. team in and terms I think of yeah. projections I, and stuff like I that. I was going to say that. Like, I think at the end of the day, like, these are problems, like, that are equivalent to every what the problems with every other Western Conference team is for the most part. I think at the end of the day, once again, I've made my Lillard MVP case. He's played really, really well in the past few yeah, games. Yes. And when he's at there, I think he generally is going to play at a level that that's enough to carry them from night to night. So Yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much all I had for the yes. pod. Wait, I know, Did we're about have... to close out. I uh-huh. wanted to spring this on you okay. s- to go outside the realm of basketball okay, for a okay, second because okay. I wanted to talk about, I'm in my fantasy football uh, oh, final. Oh freaking God. So I wanted to talk about two things. I don't know if you won your game. I lost game. You by lost. a lot. I wanted to do two things. One, I wanted to make a fun of your league. Your championship is week 17, right? Week 16. Oh, it's week 16? Yes. Okay, so you started the playoffs last week and you had a bye, or do you just yeah, have yeah, left? Yeah, I had a bye, then started. I wanted to make fun of my brother's fantasy league has the championship week 17, and I just wanted to make fun of people who do that. Why would you bother? Like, it makes your whole season worthless because the championship game is... The, there may be only one meaningful game in the in the NFL next week. So. That's a noob move. Yeah, it is an point. absolute noob move but i wanted to to lay that i think this is a funny scenario for the for the listeners and i'd like to okay give you a hand in it as well so i'm i'm sorry that you lost did you play lamar miller or did i played lamar it didn't even matter because if matter. i played lamar miller aaron jones they got they would have oh, aaron me jones got hurt too point. i forgot about and that yeah yeah i mean to get don't get me started because yeah. like 
It was the lowest point total I had all year at yeah. 60 points. That's tough. So but to be fair, th- I think that was seen in a lot of fantasy leagues yeah, last, which is frustrating. last week. Yeah. So I'm in the I'm in the championship of my fantasy league. Um, I have probably statistics statistically the best team on paper. I have a um, it's a 12 team league, and I have Gurley, who's really carried me. You know, Gurley, Mixon, Devontae Adams, Kittle. These people in a year where the waiver wire has been key. I, mostly guys I drafted have carried me. Now the one place I've been going to the waiver wire a lot is is the quarterback position okay i drafted stafford and currently don't even have him on my team anymore i think he's still lurking in the weeds but i've been riding with Jameis for the past couple weeks another thing to say about this league is pretty much everyone for some reason has two quarterbacks so the Uh depth is very limited so i've been rolling with Jameis for the past couple weeks last week i started josh allen I was like, I'm nervous about what Jameis is going to do versus the Ravens and Josh Allen. I was like, he'd been doing kind of that Lamar Jackson thing of basically being a running back and being pretty good. Yeah. And it was a great, he was one of the highest scoring fantasy court. It was a pretty genius move on my part. I would have won anyway. Big weeks from Gurley and Mixon. Uh, I have Marlon Mack as well. And that's like my running backs are just very good. Anyway, so started Josh Allen next last week and it, and it worked. But here, so here are my options at quarterback. Okay. Jameis Winston versus the Cowboys. Okay. Josh Allen versus the Patriots. Who's and I'll say, ESPN has Jameis as the highest projected here. I uh-huh. d- I don't like it though. I don't like. I feel like it's just the Cowboys are going to come out really ready to play yeah. next week, and I I'm nervous like three because t- I just need these guys to like not flop basically. Basically, put up. 15-ish yeah. points or so. So, Jameis versus the Cowboys. Don't really like it. Josh Allen versus the Pats. I feel like I was playing with fire. And don't like that. I, that I hate. I arguably like that less than, yep. than that. And now I'm looking to the waiver wire. Nick Foles versus the Texans. That's... Mm. My, Okay, but I have no. After that, you're getting into like Jeff Driscoll territory. There's literally like no. Stafford's those are picked my up op. already. No, but I think Stafford's playing. Like Stafford looks even worse. Like I have to look up who the Lions are playing. But I he's think he's been horrible too. Let me see. Lions game. Let's see who they're playing. They're playing a pretty good pass defense. I'm pretty sure. Um. But you can what 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 are your thoughts on that? As you, yeah, they're uh, playing the Vikings, so yeah, it's like pretty bad. My idea is like I think the Eagles might win that Texans game. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure how good the Texans are, and I'm just like I, I don't know. It's a it's a t- that that's where I'm leaning right now. It, it's it's a whole for being like pretty close to the unequivocally best team in my league it's a very tough spot to be in because i'm like if i lose my goddamn league because i start some the quarterback, wrong quarterback who does who goes for a friggin two burger you know yeah that does sound like the poo poo platter um yeah wow well, well what would you just gut feeling where are you going if you're in my situation gut feeling oh man Gut feeling is I probably do Nick Foles. Yeah, that's just where I think with him I think see. I might go there too. Yeah. It's just like if I have to be comfortable going down with the ship, like I'd at least rather go with the the one who's like 
seems kind of hot and just had a good game, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, he didn't throw any touchdowns last game, but yeah. Big Dick Nick, you know? Yeah, that's like, why not yeah. just go for him? And, the yeah, I guess your argument for Jameis is, like, the Cowboys are susceptible to big plays, so maybe you get one, like, 70-yard touchdown to Mike yeah. Evans that carries you, but I, I'm just nervous about that that defense. Yeah, looking at Josh Allen's stats, though, like, well, Josh it's Al- kind of impressed I will me. Say, like, he's impressed yes, me. I will say the last couple weeks he's, he's been good, and the fantasy site I use, like, and has really steered me very well, this, this would, they suggest Josh Allen, but I'm like, if he... F- goes tits up basically like it's gonna f- i'm gonna look like such a moron impressed me though but no, i didn't realize he's like on yahoo fantasy standard scoring yeah he's averaged 22 points a game in yeah. the last four he's weeks. been good so he's, he's been, been he's been pretty solid. good yeah, yeah. so uh, we'll see what ends up happening there but i just wanted i to, mean uh, i don't really trust him against new england no so that's the I other I thing new england's like a 12 point favorite like and i just foresee a possible complete collapse there yeah so i i mean go with nick Foles. all right roll the dice on him <laughs> hey he's a man of god as well man you know of god, exactly. more than J- if i'm considering the morality of Jameis winston versus nick Foles, it, clearly if nick i want <laughs> clearly nick Foles. so andrew good luck on your fantasy thanks championship buddy this, this was week. fun yeah and um i can't wait to have you on probably before we maybe in a month or so i was gonna say like we can do some sort of the Christmas, Christmas games Day, are yeah, coming up, yep. I know, and I'm like, do we come back that quickly? I think it might. It there might not Unless necessarily be enough crazy, there, but crazy yeah, but maybe we'll come up. back in the new year before we right around the time we start up classes again. Sounds good. Blazers playing on Christmas Eve versus the Jazz. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. So it'll be a lot of fun uh, to talk next, and hopefully there's some more NBA craziness that we can dive into. Uh, there so always is, Kevin. Always is, always is. So thanks, guys, for listening, and be on the lookout. Uh, for tomorrow's podcast as we talk um, English Premier League and Jose Mourinho Mm. getting fired. So um, we'll talk about that tomorrow. And thanks for listening, guys. See ya.